Hi, and welcome today's, to today's podcast. Uh, I'm here today with Angus, uh, so I'll let him introduce himself and tell you a bit about what we're going to talk about. Good morning, Matt. So I play Cormac Dunn, and I edit the Oathright newspaper in the game, which has its lovely office on the main street. I do that along with uh, Brian. Plays, uh, he's called Oathbearer Ergot now, changed his name. So today we're going to talk about good play, the tension between PvP and OC feelings. Um, so we've discussed this before, Matt, and you told me that you can, and I quote, you can put people through hell in LRP and they'll love it right up to the point where suddenly it's too much and it pushes them all OC. So the question is, where is that point? Yeah, absolutely. We've exchanged a few emails, haven't we, where we've, we've kind of thrown this issue back and forth. There's actually lots of different elements to this because there's the same is true for, for an organiser as, as, as it is for players. I think we're, you're interested very much in focusing on the player side today. But as an organiser, I mean, I remember years ago, I looked at going to a LARP game, a really sort of hardcore Scandinavian game where they were talking about in-character underwear. And for me, it's like, no, that's that's too far for me. I'm, I'm prepared to be put through hell. But the moment I've got itchy underwear on, it's not my character with itchy underwear on. It's me. And, and you know, it's that point, I think, where the character stops being miserable and you become miserable that it goes too far. And I, I think what we've been discussing really is how that happens as players when you're playing in a PvP game between one player and another. Is that fair? Totally, yes. I don't see why we shouldn't talk about your side of it as well, though. I mean, uh, we're, we're going to... We have to soften our um, icy actions for OC outcomes sometimes, and you must have to do that when you're designing the game. I mean, I think it's obvious that the barbarians have less magic and less hits than the player characters, and they take far higher losses, which was surely done to make it more fun to be a player. Is that something you've done in other areas of the game? Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> a good friend of mine often talks about the fact that in the fantasy trope, you are in you are the great elven warrior scything through the hordes of the 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 sort of orc army you know that's what if you look at lord of the rings you know the elven princes a dozen of them ride out against a thousand orcs and and, and so forth and and that's the kind of heroic uh, trope of the great hero standing against the horde but what can happen very easily in live role playing is that the roles can be reversed and you can find that organizers haven't got very many monsters and suddenly they've got a million hits and there's a thousand players against a single heroic monster and that becomes a very weird space very quickly uh, larp particularly large-scale larp if it's not careful can invert the mythic trope and that's not as much fun for players so yeah it was there's, there's been times over and over again when we design when we try to think about how will the game play and you know, what is the experience here and, and, you know, how will this be fun for the player? Which is really a much deeper level of consideration than what will the characters do? But yeah, I mean, we can look at that. It's, an, it's But I think it's very different to... The design element is almost easier because you've got total control. You know, certainly before your game launches, you've got total control. You don't want the game has launched. But before, when you're writing and creating the game, you can write and create anything. So you've got uh, an amazing degree of control over the process. If you're spending some time on the design, and 
I think sometimes live role players spend a lot of time thinking about their world and their setting and the races and the the in-character elements and don't spend as much time as they should thinking about what will the out-of-character experience of being in this situation be. But if you do spend time thinking about that, you've got complete flexibility to try and construct a world that will deliver the out-of-character experience that you want. So it's easier, I think, as an organiser, whereas as a player, you're only operating within the remit of your character and the actions your character is taking. And so I think you don't have anything like the same degree of freedom or the ability to, to just stop everything and, and change the situation to be something different, which in theory the organiser has before the game runs. Yeah, I mean, to take an example of that, I've seen some very harsh criticism in the military council when they've been discussing who's capable of being a field marshal. And so then the player's record on the battlefield, their ability to command, these are, these are discussed in public in a shouting match sometimes, and, and there's the harsh criticism being thrown there. That's a, a serious PvP point, um, and I think it illustrates the point we're getting at. You know, it's, it's difficult not to hurt people's feelings in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things we didn't... I won't say we didn't spend enough time on when we were designing the game, but it's actually it's simply difficult to avoid. If you create a, a game in which players are opposing players, fundamentally as the core, PCs against PCs is the fundamental ethos of the game. And then you further say hard skills are important in this game. You know, your ability to command on the battlefield is not your character's ability. You don't have a tactic skill and a 16 charisma. It's just what is your you, the player's ability to command? Can you make good decisions? Can you offer leadership? Do you panic in the heat of battle? In all of, in many of those situations, and not just the military council, I think in the Senate, and but I think it's it's most obvious, it's most brutally exposed in the military council. Fundamentally, you as the player are putting your heart on the line when you're, you're kind of soul on the line when you go out there and go, well, I'll be a general, I'll be a field marshal. Ultimately you're absolutely at the cutting edge of being brutally criticised for your performance. And that is really, really hard. Uh, it's hard on the players. It's just hard. And I can't sit here and go, yeah, and the answers to those problems are X, Y, Z, because I'm not sure I know what those answers are. Yeah, but there are limits to what criticism ought to be ought to be thrown. I mean, uh, I've got a newspaper and I've had some times where people took OC offence at things that were written in the newspaper. There are things that we shouldn't say. I mean, I try and avoid criticising people's you know, things about their personality that you wouldn't want to criticise. But then when we can criticise somebody's in-game actions or we can criticise their hard skills, but there must be some sort of difference between criticising a stupid decision and criticising stupidity. When does it become just chucking insults? And when is it fair criticism? Yeah, I would totally agree. I think that, you know, there'll probably be some people who are listening to this who don't yet fully appreciate the, you know, and we've talked about this, the power that the newspaper gives you to amplify this effect, that, you know, this this element where you can go beyond the in-character criticism and start to have an impact on the out-of-character person. Fundamentally, if I go out and I role-play in the field and I'm like, you're an idiot, you made a bad decision, and one shouting voice amongst many... If you put in print, this general is an idiot, he made these terrible decisions, it has more impact 
that it, it becomes this permanent record. It's it's you, the person reading it imagines it's being read by everybody. The printed word has a greater impact, I think, often than the spoken word. Not always. Sometimes there's a dramatic moment where the spoken word captures the the, the mood or raises the mob. But the spoken, but the written word that the newspapers are very very powerful. And it does beg this question: Where is the line? At what point are you trying to be genuine and real within the game and criticise what ought to be criticisable? And at what point do you think, oh, I'm just contributing to some player having a terrible time now? Which I genuinely believe 99% of our players have got no interest in doing. I, you know, I don't think anyone wants to go to that space with the exception of a few kind of faintly sociopathic people within our hobby, uh, which I just want to ignore for the sake of this podcast, because I don't think they're worth discussing. You know, it's uh, and my reason for that. It's like discussing the rules of a game and only talking about the cheats who are the one or two percent. And, and we've always said, you don't talk about the people who don't break the rules. Talk about the majority, because that's who your game has to be for. And I think the ma- overwhelming majority of people who play Empire don't want to go too far, but actually, you know, I'm not sure these things are always talked about that much. And I don't think the hobby has that much experience sometimes of dealing with them, certainly not the British hobby. So yeah, we can say that, you know, something that's written down is probably most sensitive. And then what's being said in public, you know, at the military council or in the Senate, that's, there's a lot of people listening. That might, we might be less worried about what's said in small groups or in private. Um, but in all these situations, you are asking the player to use some sort of double think, and they're to not just play the, be themselves. They have to play their character, and then they have to play their character in a way that takes account of its effect on other people. Yes, you you you, you want us to try not to hurt people's feelings while playing our characters in PvP situations. How do we do it? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I do. I'm not sat here saying, yeah, I know the answer to that. Uh, I mean, I think some of the stuff is laid out on the wiki. So we'll lay out a simple set of rules that we can follow that say you don't insult out-of-character characteristics about people, you know, their gender, their sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. And that cards out the idiot space. That just goes, the idiot space, where that was just a stupid thing to say or do, that's off-limits. But I think what that does is get rid of the easy stuff. You know, that that's the stuff that everybody in the blink of an eye would go, oh, yeah, you know what? That was a stupid thing to say. I shouldn't have said it. So I think it, the rules that are published only deal with the simplest, easiest, most obvious elements. And I'm not saying it's a cop-out. You can't say, oh, the rules cover this, and that's all there is to do, because I, I don't think that's true. I think I think you've, you've started to get to some part of the answer already, which is where we talk about, you know, it's it's okay, I think, to say that was a stupid decision. That decision lost us the battle. That decision caused 200 deaths. Then to say, you're stupid. You know, I think the moment you start, you play the, the ball, not the man. And I think if you are insulting the person rather than the things they've done, you're, all, you're already moved into a more... A difficult space for the, the the recipient. Yes, yeah, so the attack on the person is uh, that's bad bad play anyway in, in any any area. But you might want to play a character who was that that kind of person who always took things personally and threw personal insults. 
But that then wouldn't be appropriate unless I mean, you could insult their lineage, their nation. Their, I mean, there's, there's icy things that we can insult them that way. There are, but, but they, often, they, they, they often don't make sense within the context of the very tight PvP conflict. You might, if you've got a kind of adversarial relationship with a nemesis, if you and this other character are kind of staunchly opposed to each other, and there's an out-of-character, you know, who wants to chill with that, then I can absolutely understand you might be, you know, raging against them as a terrible Cambion who's constantly plotting and devious and can't be trusted. And that would totally be cool. But I think if you're looking at a, an arena like the Military Council, where that hard skill edge is much more brutally exposed, I think it's difficult to sort of go, well, we lost that battle because you're a Cambion and you're always plotting. Nobody would buy that for an instance. It just wouldn't be credible. It just doesn't make sense. So I I don't know what the answer is. I I really don't. Um, I think... Well, when it comes to hard skills, we just have to take it on the chin. I mean, if you don't have the hard skills for a situation and and that's been shown up by some event in the game, you're just going to have to accept that that's, that's something your character can't do. I think you're right, ultimately. We can't... Friend, Another friend of mine says, you know, you think you like PvP, but you don't. PvP <laughs> is kind of often held up in our hobby as the... Certainly in the sphere where I've run games, as the be-all and end-all of ways to run LARP, that, you know, everybody wants to have players in charge of the game and everybody wants to have players at loggerheads. But there are a whole load of drawbacks to a game like that. And one of them is the way the conflict can you know the what what our european friends would call bleed where the conflict of the characters bleeds into the conflict of the players and the, the in in effect of what we're talking about here where the criticism of the character becomes criticism of the player you can't run empire as a credible sensible meaningful game that makes any sense at all unless people accept the limitations of the art form and accept the game for what it is and ultimately, at some level, that means in the military council, if you're constantly making mistakes as a general because you don't understand the way the military campaign works or you're not very good at leading on the battlefield or you're not as, as good as you need to be, that will get brutally exposed and you will get really heavily criticised for it. And it, that that is the game we're playing. It, it has that element to it and that is not for everybody. But, but you're not wrong. We can't we can't take that away because the thing would just become meaningless. None of the game would make sense in the absence of that. Yeah, you've said that that's the actual, it's the nature of Empire, that it's meant to highlight these difficulties. It's meant the decisions that we make are meant to actually count for something, and so bad decisions will, will draw criticism. Absolutely. I don't want to criticise any other LARP, but, but one thing Empire focuses on really, really, really brutally is this idea that the decisions you make are going to be really important. We wanted to run a game where the decisions the characters make fundamentally alter the world for better or for worse. Winning and losing battles changes the tide of the campaign. And anyone who's looked at my history of running LARP games who thinks that, well, Matt won't let the Empire lose, is just misreading. You know, I've blown up worlds before now (laughs) with gay abandon. If the players 
don't defeat the barbarians, the barbarians will roll across the empire and turn up at Anvil and kill everyone, and that'll be the end of the game. That is, and I would quite cheerfully let the game go out that way, and I think it would be an epic ending. Wouldn't be the ending everyone wants to write, but it would be an ending. And so there is no safety net. The players are not playing with a safety net. The decisions count. And I think a lot of people are really attracted to that. They're like, yeah, that's the game I want to play. I want to play this game on hard mode. I don't want the organisers just soft-soaping it and letting me have the win that I didn't really deserve. I want to play this game as it's as it's advertised, as it's promised. Great. Okay, fine. So in theory, that's easy. We'll write a game and your decisions in the Senate will matter. If you declare war or declare peace, it will have a massive effect. If you betray this nation, it will have a big effect. If you embargo all these nations, it will have a big effect on the world and it will change what's happening and it will change the outcomes. You can't run that and then not have people be really angry and really invested emotionally and really passionate when bad things happen, when bad outcomes, when battles are lost, when wars are lost, when wars are started that didn't need to be started. When, and I think that is, yeah, you just can't have the decisions be crucial and then not have the emotional payoff that the decisions are crucial. The idea that that the decisions could be important, but no one would mind at all if anything went wrong is just, uh, that's not how the human species works. So that is the, the downside. That's the payoff of running a game like Empire, that you're going to be in that space. That's a good space to be in. We're enjoying it. So you mentioned there, you mentioned Bleed. Mm. That, so I've had... Particularly when I first started playing Empire, the sort of more, I think, normal sense of bleed, where there was some PvP conflict, there was some conflict in the game, and I was left after the weekend feeling that that person genuinely didn't like me. Yep. And so a quick, quick message on Facebook, and of course they say no, no, they don't. They were just acting. Um, some people are really good actors, though. And that, so that that talking to somebody afterwards out of character can quickly fix that problem. If you might think, oh, the guy really doesn't like me, but no, he's just pretending. Then. In this situation that we're discussing now, so when you are teeing up an enemy to to get them, um, you might certainly you might contact them afterwards to make sure there was no hard feelings. That's that's more like the ordinary situation, I believe. But do you think we should contact them in advance? I've certainly seen people mentioning that that they like they they pre prepare their PvP before going for it. That's an interesting question. I'm been told in advance that someone was going to get my character in a LARP game and I have to say it was a 100% an awful experience uh, it ruined the character interaction for me it made it made you know I mean in fairness they told me they were going to assassinate me at the event but then how I couldn't then role play with them normally every time I met them during the event it just it made it, it just ruined the entire experience for me. So I can't sit here and go, yeah, yeah, I think it's a great way to proceed. Chat to someone out of character and just let them know you're coming for them because my experience of being on the receiving end of that was it was just awful. 
Uh, it, it absolutely ruined my game. But then I'm a pretty hardcore LARPer. Um, I get really excited about being murdered, um, provided it comes by surprise. So, and so I'm not a normal LARPer in that sense. I, I am po very positive about out-of-character communication after games, about checking in with people and checking that people are cool and, you know, just saying, look, no hard feelings, you know. I hate your character, but I think you're a great role player. And I think, you know, a few little compliments there can really help to to just you know just stress the fact that you know it's their character and and that you've got nothing but admiration for them as a larper and most people are pretty cool i think with with doing that it's harder to to say beforehand yeah i think it is much harder to 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 set something up out of character and it's interesting and this is perhaps you know very much a british attitude again looking at some of the the european larps particularly the um the nordic larps they have a really strong tradition of setting up the out of the in character conflicts before the event um I, they're running in a space where it's very much more uh, collaborative in terms of the narrative that develops they don't have the same gamesmanship and pvp elements in their more nordic larps i'm sure they do in in larps they run there but but it's not if you if you were to say empire and games like empire of the british mainstream then i'm talking now about what i would uh, what i would regard as an outsider as the nordic mainstream they are clearly very comfortable with setting these things up as conflicts out of character even to the point of agreeing when things will happen and what you'll say and do um and i just find that bewildering i've heard that they can sometimes get quite unhappy with spontaneous ic conflict that develops that wasn't agreed beforehand that that seems to them a little bit out of play uh out of out of uh, inappropriate and i and i'm an outsider to nordic larps i'm not talking about something i really know other than at a distance study it's it's hard i, I don't have the answers I don't know what you would say to someone if you particularly empire where you're not coming to kill their character where you're coming to kill their character's reputation or you're going to try and drive them from office or you're going to try and have them excommunicated or you're going to try and have them declared a sorcerer or you're going to try and bankrupt them or blackmail them i i i just i don't know what i don't i, I yeah i don't have a space in my head for how that would go and i I'm not convinced it would be it's I don't think it's straightforward that it would be positive. Right, that's very interesting. Um I wasn't sure which way you would go on that one. Because you know, if you set up some long running Machiavellian scheme to destroy somebody, surprise is an element. And if you tell them OC, they're gonna know I see and it'll spoil it. Like like you, you did you get assassinated that weekend? I did indeed. Yes, I did. So you were looking over your shoulder all weekend till you saw them coming, and you're like, oh, there they are. The worst moment was the character set up a rendezvous with for me to go somewhere, and I went there, and I walked into the tent, and there were three assassins with Velcro stuck to the walls of the tent. I'm exaggerating only slightly for effect. And I stood there and looked at these three assassins and thought, hmm, a tent full of assassins. You don't see that every day. <laughs> So then I turned around and walked out. I mean, the worst assassination the world has ever seen. It was literally like a comic book movie for what the hell was going through your minds. Because they were literally like badly hidden behind the wall. I mean, it, it was just... And then so I walked out and then I thought, 
Yeah, but did I only see that because I knew they were going to assassinate me this weekend? Mm. So then I'm outside the tent having walked away from, and bear in mind, it wasn't like I saw this from 20 feet. I was in the middle of the tent. It's a small tent. I'm the only person in it, apart from the three assassins velcroed to the roof of the tent, waiting to drop ninja-like to take me out while I'm stood there in front of them. And to put it in context, I'm not playing a human character in this system. I was incredibly distinct. You, you couldn't mistake me for any other character in the system. And I, I couldn't convince myself out of character that it was legitimate to walk out of that tent based purely on what I knew in character. So I went back into the tent and the assassins went, get him! And they assassinated me. It was not a positive experience. Right. It was, yeah, you know, when I say that, that did not make my game. It, it was not, was not like, woo. <laughs> and I, I, but what choice did I have at the point where I know an assassination is being planned for me. And then I go into an tent and it's got three of the world's most obvious assassins in. I, I just, what do you do? If I hadn't known, I'd have gone, oh, a room full of assassins and walked out, I think, but I can't know. Maybe I'd have just been utterly oblivious. Yeah, we can once we once we know OC, we can never be sure. I see. Yeah, like whether or not we would have figured it out. I see. Yeah, I I faced a great many puzzles with the newspaper there. That uh, you know, whether or not this 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 person, the, the executed guy, really did do the murder, that kind of thing. There's loads and loads of those all piled on top of each other, and fortunately, to up to here, I've managed to avoid pretty much all out of character knowledge about that. But at some point, it's going to start. It's going to happen that I know out of character and have to pretend in character. That'll make it much harder to write a good story, particularly to investigate something you already know the answer to. Yeah, totally. And I think interestingly, if you think to what what I'm hypothesising is the Nordic model, if you've agreed what the narrative is going to be, you're in a space where everything is collaborative. So I'll come to you and say, "Look, our characters hate each other." You know, this is a one-off game. How about I arrange to have you assassinated at 11 o'clock? And you go, oh, that sounds a brilliant end to my character arc. We could set it up so that you'll have me murdered in the ballroom. And, I'll, yeah, I'll get a crossbowman to shoot you, and then you'll be able to dramatically die in front of everyone. Once everything is collaborative, there's no problem. It makes obvious sense that each and every step would be as collaborative as we can make it to dramatise the story. When... A chunk of it is PvP. When it's like, we're going to kill you and you probably didn't want your character to die right now, and that's not how you saw this going, then to introduce a collaborative element into that by saying, oh, and by the way, Matt, I I'm going to murder your character. You know, no hard feelings, but I'm going to murder your character this weekend. Actually, it's just, it's two completely different approaches to the game, and it's not clear to me that they are remotely compatible. So I think... I am coming down on the fact that, no, I would not tell someone. Certainly what I wouldn't do is say to someone, I'm going to do this this weekend. I'm going to put forward a judgment of uh, excommunication for your character in the Synod on Friday night. I'm going to stand against you in the election for general or senator or archmage or whatever. I wouldn't give them uh, what I would consider to be knowledge they wouldn't want. I wouldn't encumber them with that out of character knowledge what i think you can do is very positively say communicate with people after the game 
and mitigate those bleed effects by going, yeah, sorry, my character hates your character and he's trying to do everything he can to, to get them. You know, no, I'm doing that because of where the role playing's gone. You know, our character, no hard feelings. You know, this is just a game. I think you can mitigate some of the emotional effects of the bleed by just being a decent human being and being pleasant with people. And in a PvP game, that that is fine. I don't think you can mitigate the effects of bleed by collaborating with the person to let them know what the things you're going to do are. I think that just you're trying to introduce a collaborative element to a competitive process. Right. So when the game gets super competitive at elections, they're probably the most main part of this game in many ways. So you're people are fighting for these jobs. They often have, I've seen it many times, you people coming into the Senate looking confident they're going to get elected and then they get completely slaughtered and realise that someone else has stitched it up before the, the vote even took place. So when you've won one of these elections, which was competitive already, does that make you fair game? I mean, is there a sense that if somebody's just sitting by the fireside and chilling, having a beer and going for the odd fight, that they're less open to, to PvP action than somebody who's fought hard and want to become a senator i think so that's always been my view of larp i think and i've never the important thing to, to stress is i've never played empire and i'm not sure i've ever played a game particularly like empire but i've played games i've played large fest larps which have elements that are like empire certainly i've played large fest larps where you become in competition with other characters and you vigorously oppose them socially or even to the point of having them killed. And for me, you develop a kind of sixth sense. You're, you're looking for that aware, an awareness that the people are enjoying this interaction and it's fun and I'm not just actually being an arsehole that's making their weekend miserable. But a significant degree of that, for me, who would go to those games, always looking for that character antagonism, that character conflict, that my starting point would be, well, when I was a little bit aggro, were you aggro back at me? If I, if I stand up and say something uh, controversial, do you stand up and shout me down? If you do, then we've got game on and, and we can have this, these kind of, highly conflict-driven interactions. If you kind of look at me like a, a rabbit in the headlights and just think, uh, I don't really want to have anything to do with you, then I would generally pick my game up and go somewhere else because I don't want to have uh, a really conflict-driven character interaction with someone if they are just not up for any of that out of character. To me, I can't really enjoy it unless I think the other person is enjoying it. So I'd always be looking for that. But my starting point is, did you put yourself forward? Did you did you say, I'm going to be the general? I'm going to lead our nation to victory on the battlefield? Because if you did, if you if you went and took that position and, that, and, and, and you took on all that responsibility, you've kind of... And, and I think that the risk in empire is that this is not necessarily true, but it should be true. You've understood what you're buying into. You've understood the game you're, you're, you're grasping. You've said, yes, I'm mature and responsible enough that I can play this game and I can deal with the bleed that comes from it. And I don't, you know, that's the way I think the game should work. or It, it almost needs to work to function. And, and occasionally it does fall short of that. 
yeah, I mean, there must be times, I've seen it myself, actually, there are times when, so if somebody's got a job, you can, you can, you can have their fair game. Um, but if somebody hasn't, sometimes they come into the crosshairs by mistake. Yeah. And I, I, I wrote a front page story about somebody that I happened to meet in the street, and he explained to me he was carrying around a heretical sword. Now, he had no idea that was coming. He was completely mm-hmm. blindsided by it. Um, and suddenly found he was on the front page and being declared a heretic everywhere he went. Like People were coming up to him in the street and accusing him of it. Now, I spoke to him afterwards, and he said it was great fun. He, he, he loved it. But I think that could have gone another way. You know, Somebody else might not have enjoyed that so much. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with you. And I was dr- almost dreading that you were going to finish that story by saying he came up to me at the end and said he didn't know what had happened and he hated the weekend and he was never coming back to the game. Because <laughs> <laughs> that could have been the outcome. That <laughs> could have been the outcome. I don't disagree. But equally, what's the alternative? The alternative is you go, well, I haven't checked with this person, so I'm not going to print anything about them. You know, he hasn't he hasn't switched on his PvP flag. He hasn't, you know, I've never played Warcrack, but I, I think under some versions of it, you have a PvP flag saying, yes, you can PvP me. And clearly this player had not put his flag up, and yet you made his life hell. I think what's interesting there. And one of the reasons I think you were in a safe space when you did that, and I don't mean a safe space as in the modern world uh, term, I mean you were operating within parameters that were very likely to come out positively. At no point were you really alluding to any element of hard skills and hard player uh, function. The player isn't a heretic. The player has not acquired a heretical sword. The player has not... The character had done all those things. They're absolutely indistinguishable from the character. So you made the character the front-page news, and you made the fact the character has a heretical sword front-page news, and everyone is going up to him going, you're a heretic. At no point does that person think, I'm a heretic. They think, "Mm, my character's a heretic. Now, there's still a risk. Because without a doubt, some people find being on the receiving end of all that attention very difficult to deal with. But I don't think it risks the same bleed as if you'd put a front page story going, I met this guy and he's a total idiot. He's a stupid, moronic disgrace who's an embarrassment to the empire. He should be hounded out of the empire because he is rubbish at everything he does. I think if you'd done that with someone who would not put themselves forward in any way, and why would you? I mean, it's a stupid example, but I think then you would have been taking far, far, far greater risks. Yeah, if I just met somebody and somebody said something dumb in the street. Exactly. Yeah, that kind of thing is not news. No, but that's the point. I think the game is relatively uh, stable in that sense because you're not going to run that story. person you've never heard of does stupid thing is not story. Yes, absolutely. Yes, no. If, if a senator says something stupid, then that is a story. Yeah. But then they've chosen a job that requires public speaking skills. Public speaking skills. So, yeah. Yes, I think they. Yeah, I think in a sense, and I think perhaps PD could do better on this. And maybe that is actually really what we take away from this: that PD needs to make clearer. You know, this is a PDP game that has downsides in terms of emotional bleed. You can absolutely play Empire without playing the PvP game. You totally can. And a bunch of people come to Empire and really enjoy the social side, the living experience, going on the battlefields and fighting for the Empire, sitting around the campfire and singing at song and story, just being part of the lived world is their fun for the weekend. So you absolutely can play Empire and have no part of that PvP. 
But if you've come to Empire with ambitions to be a general or to lead on the battlefield or to be a senator and, and change the course of history, to be a cardinal and pass judgment on the souls of your fellow beings, to be an art mage and deal with the great powers of beyond and try and wield them for the, the benefit of the Empire, you're playing a very PvP game. You're not playing a game where success is guaranteed. And that means you will get criticism for your for your failings. And some of those will be your character failings. And some of those will be just points where you messed up. And because you are playing your character, when you mess up, your character messes up. If that is not something that you're comfortable with, then that's something you need to take into account when you think, well, I want to play that role or I don't want to play that role. Yeah. Which is a harsh way to say, don't do it. <laughs> if you can't handle a bit of sarcasm, then you're not going to want to put yourself at the mercy of the Speaker of the Senate. Totally. Yes. I feel like I've got to add some caveats here, but actually I'm not sure the caveats are warranted. I don't want to water this down by going, well, yeah, but, you know, it'll all be fine. Well, well it won't be fine. If you can't deal with that, that criticism of what your character has done, what you as your character has done, you shouldn't take on those PvP leadership roles. You just shouldn't because you're going to get that criticism and then you're going to be unhappy and then you'll be unhappy. And as we talked about, it's only fun for everyone else if it's fun for you. So if you've put yourself in a situation where the criticism is making you unhappy, so the more unhappy than playing the game is making you, you know, the question is on whether you should have put yourself forward in that way. I think there is a caveat that's important no one enjoys the out-of-character criticism. I don't think anybody, the point where someone's saying, you were, you're stupid, you shouldn't have done that, it was a stupid thing to do, that's rarely people's high points. Let's say we're playing football at an international level and I'm the manager and you're one of my team players and you come to me and say, I don't want to play tomorrow in this big international game because if we lose, I'm going to get a lot of criticism in the paper. And my response to you might be, well, Sure, but if you win, you'll be feted as heroes. There is an element where the ups and downs, you've got to be able to look over the, the course of the whole thing. You've got to be able to say, you know, the ups were better than the downs overall on balance. But if if you're the kind of person who, who the downs weigh much more heavily than the, the ups and then the wins kind of lift you up, then it's not going to be for you. Look at it in the round is what I'm saying. I'm not saying... If you don't enjoy criticism, you shouldn't take on these positions. I'm saying if you can't handle the criticism to the extent that it overwhelms your enjoyment of the positives, then you shouldn't do it, which I think is a more balanced way of, of putting it. I've seen some generals face the Senate after having lost hundreds of citizens with great nobility and a magnificent perf like, act acting performance where they're you know, they're admitting that, yeah, 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 they did just lose hundreds of people and it was a tragic defeat for the Empire. And, and, but you can see they're really playing this act to the, to the hilt. And they're doing a really great job of it. I don't know if they're enjoying it or not, but I hope they are. They should be. be proud of that acting. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. There have been some, some really sort of bravura performances. Uh, yeah, like you say, I hope they enjoy it. I, it. If you can enjoy the losses, that's when you'll get so much out of LARP. And I guess that's what I was saying earlier, that you know I like having my character assassinated. I like having all my sandcastles kicked down. I like having all of my schemes ruined and brought to naught. Um, I, but, but 
I like to play the villain in LARP, so I, I like to get defeated. It doesn't upset me when everything is is brought low. But I think it really helps if you can lean in and play the emotional performance of those scenes and be the character and rise to the moment, then I think you still get some pretty cool uh, interactions and, and great scenes. As you say, I really hope those generals are in uh, they, they They deserve to enjoy them because they're an iconic part of that scene for them and for everyone else. And generally, I think when people do that, people, I think, respond quite positively to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, some of this, some of that, you know, you're struggling to define exactly how we we manage the double think of playing so that people can hate us, I see, but but still enjoy role playing with us, OC. Some of that um, is perhaps unconscious, you know, people like with who I haven't, because I think I've done some of this and I'm sure other people are doing it too without having ever really thought about it. It's just they're, they're, when they're attacking somebody, they're not going, they're not plotting out some um, perfect murder that can't be caught. They're deliberately being a bit sloppy. They're deliberately telling their mates, boasting to their friends in the pub afterwards um, because you want to leave some trail of breadcrumbs. You want this to be a game. Yeah, totally. I think I remember talking to some of the guys who carried out the massive fraud uh, where they defrauded another character of 500 thrones. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know who did that, so don't tell us. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. I will not be revealing their identity. But I talked to one of the players and he said, yeah, we made as, as much effort to be as sloppy as humanly possible afterwards. You know, we tried to be as public as possible. We were kind of walking around with all this money and 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 they, in no way did they they deliberately set about the perfect con job. They 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 kind of wanted to be caught. They wanted the showdown. They wanted the throwdown of <gasps> you conders. They wanted the the payoff of the scene. Uh, but I think their victims were so distraught or just didn't have the resources necessary that that they just couldn't. Have, didn't have the wherewithal to basically go, oh, it, it's these people literally sat outside our tent now in front of us, um, you know, waiting to be caught. Uh, I don't think it was quite that obvious. But it, there is oftentimes a desire to, particularly I think when there isn't out of character, you know, when it's genuinely out of character, good-natured, people will try to play the scene in a way that gives time and moments for everybody. And, and that can well mean letting yourself be caught or letting your schemes come to naught. The fun is in opposing someone often. The fun isn't actually in triumphing, I think. Now, if you never get caught, you never get to show off how you did it. Yes. Many, many years ago, uh, the I've not really done much what some of my friends would call wet work in LARP. Most of my PvP is all political. Uh, I've never actually shivved anyone or killed anyone's character. It's just, I'm not very good at that sort of stuff. But I had a group and we planned the perfect murder. And when I say we planned the perfect murder, it was the perfect murder. All of the blame, 100% of the blame fell on our co-conspirators in the murder. Everybody was like, this group murdered this person. And years later, I'd be like, you know, that was us, right? We were the instigators of that. We were 50% of, of that political murder. And people go, no, 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 you weren't. It was this group. Everybody knows that. And, and <laughs> all of our role in the history of that was completely erased because it was too good. It was just too good. We were so effective. 
uh, at hiding our traces that nobody ever believed me out of character afterwards when I said, you know, we were involved in that too, right? It was just like claiming credit for someone else's achievement. It was genuinely funny. Um, I think it's true with, with the stings, perhaps, the the murders or some of the murders, some of the, 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 the cons and the, the robberies where some of those characters are like, oh, man, this, this this will be even cooler when we get caught. I don't know if it's true of the kind of more run-of-the-mill conflicts, not run-of-the-mill, the more political conflicts. You know, when the people excommunicated the pledge, I'm not sure that was part in their story of the narrative where a year later the pledge would, the, the shoe would be on the other foot and the pledge would be having a, you know, having their day, I, I think it was just done in the course of this is what our characters would do. By God, we're going to do it. Everyone to a greater or lesser extent has this kind of sixth sense in LARP. And we do mediate what our characters will do to a greater or lesser extent based on how it is impacting players around us. But it's it's difficult to feed that into the, the most PvP elements of the politics of Empire, I think. But maybe there's some route to success by just listening to our instincts and not being a dick. <laughs> not being a dick is rule number one of LARP, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, you know, I've been in situations where I've been in a, a, a you know powerful scene and I'm laying into someone, and then you suddenly get that sense of, and you kind of see it in their eyes of that they're detaching from their character here and they're just not enjoying this, and you just. You back off. You just back off from it and, and you take it in a different angle or you look. You just don't be a dick. Yeah, many years ago, I was confronted in character. I was playing an undead lich thing. I'd been murdered and raised as an undead lich, whatever, story. And a whole group of people are confronting me and being very angry at me for being undead, uh, as you would be. And th there's all these sort of powerful NPCs and powerful PCs all shaking their fists at me. And there's this fairly young-looking, inexperienced-looking PC in the crowd. And they went, the undead killed my parents. And it was just one voice in a voice of 20 big, important people all shouting at me. But my kind of um npc instincts kicked in of let's make this person this person who's new to art the focus of everything and i just turned on them and rounded on them and went the living killed me i'm not holding a grudge <laughs> and i made this person absolutely the focus of a whole room full of people wanting to see if i could drag them and we'd have this you know ignore all these big important people forget all these powerful politicians of the day i'm a character in this scene you're the character in this scene let's make everyone else our bystanders and it'll be you and me and they just froze they just froze like a rabbit in a headline uh, in the headlights and stared at me in a kind of what are you doing uh all of these people are now looking at me and i just sensed instantly they were not ready to in my view and i could have got this wrong but that was my sense they're not ready to have this from their perspective big important character this this lich shouting at them and being angry at them and all these people staring at them they just weren't ready for it and i just moved to the next person in the crowd and started having a shout at them because don't be a dick 
You know, if somebody's not wanting that fight, you don't kick them when they're down. <laughs> yeah. And that, I think, there's something, I think, that's so that's an important part of don't be a dick. Don't kick them when they're down. And I think your paper's probably pretty good at this. My sense is from our conversations that you've got an instinctive kind of uh, sense for this. At the point where they've been excommunicated or the point where they've been voted out of office, you then don't run a post-mortem piece on how awful and how terrible they are, I'm guessing. Probably not. No, we move on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't, there's no need to dig up the corpse and, and urinate on it. It's like the person's political career is dead. We don't need to to see how miserable we can make them about that. Yeah, so I think, don't be a dick. Don't don't take the conflict past the point where the victory has, has been won. Uh, you know, try and keep that sense for, you know, look at the people you're playing with and you're interacting with and try and get that sense that, they're enjoying this scene. And if they're not, dial it back. It does an in-character win really matter that much? Maybe, maybe not. I think play the ball and not the man. We've PD rule out all the insults about you can't call someone fat. You can't refer to their race or their gender or their sexuality. All of that is off limits. But don't try to, don't call someone stupid. Say the thing they did was stupid. Don't call someone an idiot say the thing they did was idiotic you know talk about the thing they've done and the th and why you disagree with it don't just invite everyone to ridicule them as a person because that is no fun at all here's an important one i think don't mock a person's sense of who they are i think that's really quite important it's hard because people turn up at larp with the most ludicrous inflated sense of what they're going to be i've seen people write character backgrounds not in empire but in my local club system that i ran 20 years ago of i am the son of the emperor who's half god and i'm the greatest swordsman in the world and i'm the greatest magician in the world and you just thought well no you're not <laughs> i mean i can <laughs> demonstrate in 20 seconds you're not the greatest swordsman in the world i might not be able to beat you but half the club can so you can't you know if your sense of who you are is that you're the greatest swordsman in the world you are one fight away from having your sense of who you are dis comprehensively dismantled but i think if I, yes here you go i'll give you an example where this and this is really hard I was talking to Jamie Hall at the uh, a couple of weekends ago. I hope he won't mind me sharing this experience. I've got to be, uh, I'm taking a risk now. He might be really angry with me. But he was talking about his experience of playing in the league, basically an accountant, an auditor, a kind of, he's the man in charge of the money for his mercenary group. He's not an auditor like, um, like a an accountant, like a modern day accountant. He's the equivalent of like the mob's accountant. He's a man who's cunning and savvy and absolutely on top of you know every crown and every ring. He knows where he knows where the bodies are buried and he knows where the money is buried. He's he's that kind of politically savvy, financially savvy figure that is the financial backing behind his military group. And he was part of the group that got conned for the 500 thrones. And effectively, the con destroyed his character's identity of who he was. No one would take him seriously as this 
hard-bitten, wily mob uh, orc accountant at the point where he has so obviously fallen for a scam. And, and his character became unplayable because he couldn't come back from that, that kind of devastating loss. And I think it's really, really hard. You don't want to render null somebody's sense of who their character is if you can avoid it, I think. But I think that's probably... <laughs> that, that, is, that is a very, very, very difficult thing to, to avoid. Has that, has that made any sense? Uh, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's good. To, I can see that you don't you want to avoid that if you can. There's no point in needlessly crushing somebody's ambitions or their 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 picture of their, their self worth. But in a PvP game, they presumably are playing to their the imagined strength of their character. And if you happen to find a flaw, which might not even be their fault, but if you happen to find a flaw, that's that, you know, it's going to be a flaw in that area of competence, and that's where you're going to have to criticize. And if somebody's not good at sword fighting, you know, it's it's in sword fighting that you will you will show them up. Yeah, totally. And and that I think is yeah, it is a challenge. If somebody turns up in Dawn saying, "I'm the greatest swordsman in Dawn," that's who I am, and and they're totally built that picture of who they are in their head. They are in for a rude awakening come the next tourney. They either are the best swordsman in Dawn, great, fine, no problem, or more likely, statistically, they're not. Um, and then what's everyone to do? The equivalent would be to say, well, we'll all role-play that you're the best swordsman and we'll let you win. Well, anyone who thinks Empire plays that way has not played Empire. <laughs> I, 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 I literally don't know anyone who thinks the Empire game works that way. So, yeah, it, it is really hard. It is really hard to avoid that that destruction of the self um but it's also i'm very realistic i mean there's many a politician that didn't survive a mistake and then they never recovered from it suffered for the rest of their lives from regret over the one error they made yeah it's interesting generally at uh, gettysburg i think it's really interesting you've gone there historically uh, i know uh, you know i'm a history atheist i don't believe anything that happened before last tuesday is, is true um <laughs> So I, I would reach for a more recent example. The, the, the fantastic one for me is David Cameron. How does his censored self survive losing the EU referendum? And it's really interesting to look at that figure and look at his kind of attempts to rehabilitate himself and to periodically pop up and say, I, I could still be a serious politician. I mean, this guy was prime minister of the country. He was the, you know, the first conservative leader in a decade to win a majority and now he's a joke i don't know anyone who takes him seriously you know certainly his attempts to go uh, uh is there a political job for me we're just met with a lot of people looking down at the floor and, and sort of shuffling their feet and basically i no, <laughs> you're the idiot who got us in this mess yeah and i i just i wonder what that does to um to to to, to an individual like that does it shatter that sense of self-worth and who they are? I, I don't know. Tell us about the, your historical example, because I'd, I'd be fascinated. What... Well, General Lee, when he went to Gettysburg, had fought a series of battles where his soldiers stood behind a low stone wall, let the North advance towards them and massacred them with rifle fire. And then at Gettysburg, for some reason, when he saw that the North had formed up behind a low stone wall, he ordered his forces to advance and watched them all get slaughtered. Oh. 
it, it's a, a famous mistake, one he reflected on at length, and many people have since. And how could he, he was such a clever general, he won so many battles before. How could he have made that mistake? Well, what could he, you know, how could the, 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 what's the one thing he was supposed to be brilliant at was choosing his grounds and choosing his moment. And some people have pointed to pressure. Did he have enough ammunition? Did he need to do this or whatever? And he said himself on the, the day of the battle that he thought he just got got confused. He just thought his soldiers were invincible. They, they always won. There's there's some fascinating elements. There. I mean, we're drifting off now into just elements of human psychology, but but absolutely riveting stuff. I, to me, at least, that there's there's a classic problem in investment called survivor bias. You get a hundred investment managers. And in any given year, 60% of them in a rising market will make a profit. So you take those 60% and you say, you're geniuses, you 40% who didn't make a profit. And bear in mind, nothing here is outside of the statistical anomalies. You 40% are useless, you're all fired. So now you've got 60 investment managers left. And next year, you run the thing forward and 60% of them will make a profit. So you say to those 60%, you've made a profit two years running. You're clearly an amazing genius. You 40%, you didn't make a profit. You're an idiot. You're fired. Even though you're winnowing that down, if that percentage of winnow is, is not really, really tight, after five years, you've probably got 10 investment managers who've made a profit purely randomly, purely randomly. They could have literally just been picking investments out of a tombola slapping them up on the board and saying, let's put our money in this. And they will be feted by everyone around them as the most brilliant minds on the planet. And crucially, and this is the killer, this is the real killer, I think they will absolutely believe it. They will absolutely believe that they are brilliant. All those other people who got fired for doing a bad job, they're all rubbish. But you who made a profit five you beat the market five years on the trot no one beats the market five years on the trot must be a genius now i'm not saying that your historical general is not a genius that's not my point i suspect you know he must have won battle after battle and you know there's a good analysis that, that shows he made good decision after good decision but that point where you get to you believe your own hype that i and and Again, we see that with Cameron. He won the Scottish referendum. He went into the EU referendum utterly convinced that it would just be a rerun of the Scottish referendum. It would be 55%, 45%. He'd bury the issue for a decade, solve all his problems with the Conservative Party and be feted as the greatest Conservative leader since Churchill. He clearly thought he was just going to do it. And I think that overconfidence... Well, yeah, it tears people apart. It rips them up and spits them out. Mm -hmm. And people yeah. die as a result. <laughs> yes, or, or, or have to roll up new characters. Or, or in live role-playing, have to roll up new characters. That's the thing we should not forget. It, at Gettysburg, you know, Lee sent thousands and thousands and thousands of, of people to their deaths. In Empire, we send hundreds of characters to their deaths. And that's what we should all, all remember. None of this is real. And unlike in real life, if your character dies, you get to have another go. <laughs>
And I think that I think that's probably a good place to stop because I think that's the difference between all of this stuff in real life. It, we we have our Gettysburgs, but only the characters die. And I think everyone who's emotionally investing in their character and experiencing that bleed of the criticism of the people around them should remember remember Lee, remember Gettysburg, and ask yourself how many people died. And the answer is. Nobody died. <laughs> Some characters died. Nobody died. And everybody who is being, you know, angry and, and laying into the scene should do it with a sense of narrative and should try and let some of their emotional anger and their emotional bleed leech away. And by all means, lean into the scene and play the game to the utmost. But but play it for drama. Play it for, for you know, the excitement of the scene. Don't play it for the vehemence and the venomance venom of getting someone because again nobody died it wasn't real it's not Gettysburg we don't have to have a 40-year uh, post-battle analysis of and, and yeah cool okay thank you thank you thanks to my guest Angus and thanks to you for listening I hope you enjoyed our chat there's just one more planned in the series now so we'll try and get that up shortly before the sun explodes Thank you.